Friday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 219 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So if you are brand new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and helping you clear whatever is blocking your path to your success. So today we're going to be talking about supporting children and mental health, right? So Again, if uh, you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on either of the Facebook pages, please like and share as this is a great topic. And we're going to have a fabulous discussion with my guest. And uh, let's do a quick intro so you know who I am. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, so for today's teachable moment, since we're going to be talking about children and mental health, I had a conversation with one of my kids the other day, and she brought up something that I did that kind of kind of scarred her a little. And me, I'm thinking, like, I'm always ha happy-go-lucky. Like, I'm always taking you guys out to do stuff. And, and so today's teachable moment is to actually take the time and listen to your children. You know, because, like, she opened my eyes up to, to something that I didn't even realize I had done. You know, so as we get into today's topic... That's just what I want to give for the teachable moment. It's, it sounds so simple, but it's huge, you know? And so we, we ended up having like a four, four and a half hour com conversation just about life and just about her childhood and, and all, all this other stuff. But sometimes we get so busy in work and everything else that we're missing out on these things that are affecting our kids. So that's today's teachable moment. And so having the conversation with me is the owner of Apex Occupational Therapy. This is Alicia Komar. Welcome. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So you said you're down in North Carolina. What part? North Carolina, Raleigh area. Raleigh area. Okay. That's East Coast, right? Yes, it is. East Coast part. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to that. Or kind of central. Carolina. Central. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just in Asheville last year. I really, really liked it over there. Oh, it's nice there. Yeah, I love Asheville. Yeah, I'm a mountain guy. Mm, same. As you can see, I got I got Mount Hood behind me. That's uh, from <laughs> as I grew up in Portland. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love the mountains. So, um, are you originally from there? 
Yeah, port, uh, from Portland is where I grew up. And then I. Yeah, that's right. You just said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's dive in to your story. So, um, but first, how would you describe yourself? Um, I do find that a challenging question. I will say um, two big defining things for me as ethics and being very ethical and um, really believing in the right thing. I'm a kind of a rule follower, but I'm also mm-hmm. sort of a, um, I can kind of see when it's time to not follow the rules, but <laughs> I do follow the rules when I can. Um, and I just Closet that, rebel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not real vocal about it, but sometimes I do. Um, But I just really believe in the right thing and being fair to people and um, that justice side of ethics too. And um, I think I'm also very empathic and compassionate. So just seeing, seeing injustices and, and I feel those. So sometimes I really have to separate myself from things like the news and um, a power and respect to those people who can work in hospitals and see sick people all the time and yes I work in mental health with kids but it's I don't see like the real severe side of things either because I think I would take that home with me so yes yeah you definitely have to be a certain type of person to to work in those industries and see Mm -hmm. things see things like that wow how would you describe your upbringing pretty easygoing upbringing I really don't have any um major traumas or anything. Fortunately, I've had two loving parents, uh, a couple of siblings. We, um, you know, I'm a child of the eighties. We played outside and (laughs) we're out there doing things uh, most of the time. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't have a broken home. I was a very shy kid. So I was very um, probably more social anxiety than any other kind of anxiety because I did get to the point where I took risks and I tried new things and I didn't let those things stop me. And my, I think my parents were very instrumental in that too, but, um, but I was very shy. It took me a while to get out of that and kind of realize that that's not really, once I got past that and realized that's not a defining character of characteristic of myself Mm and took a while to kind of get to that point. But. All right. So, so walk me through that. Cause especially now in today's technological age, there's a lot of kids dealing with social anxiety because they're so used to texting and, and they're like, I'll tell, I'll tell my daughter, like, why don't you just pick up the phone and call? It's like, actually, actually talk to the person. And, and right. she's like, shaking. <laughs> you know, like, she's so nervous. So, so how did you, how did you manage yours to get through to, to the other side? Well, I think the part of it was just, um, it was taking risks and being mindful about the fact that I put myself out there. And that's the thing about it is you have to be uncomfortable. And lots of times people don't want to be comfortable. You know, like we want to be in a little safe bubble and realizing that that is just part of the process is that you're not going to feel real great when you're taking those steps to confront someone else or have those interactions that aren't so comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think email has helped too, because sometimes it's easier to put words down. I'm better at writing things than I am at speaking them a lot of the time. So sometimes I have to process in writing. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's just for myself to, to throw it on paper and feel better about things. But um, I will say just in the process of reaching, researching for the book that I wrote that um, about anxiety, just the realization of how much, how normal social anxiety really is. Like it's part of, part of our makeup like it's in our genetics 
we're tribal people like our mm -hmm. species is tribal we are supposed to rely on other people and like there's a little power in just kind of knowing that that's just it's typical to have some social anxiety like it's not if you don't care then you might be a sociopath like <laughs> so you have to care <laughs> we all care at least a little bit about what people think no matter what people say or don't say <laughs> no that's definitely true because i because i'm one that i typically don't care what people say but it depends on the topic you know so so right. there was some that like if someone questions my ability as an athlete i'm like please <laughs> you know like things like that but if someone questions right. my intelligence about something i'm like wait a second you know so i think it just it just kind of depends so it's knowing right. knowing just who you are but the other part of it is i saw, saw this really good video about a month ago about fake problems you know so going back to what you were saying about we're tribal people right so we are pre-programmed to look for challenges you know, we're pre-programmed to look for things that might hurt us. So yes. we craft a lot, a lot of now, I, I don't have a, 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 any therapist background. I've just been alive for 47 years and I see and I hear stuff, right? So is people craft an outcome before even tackling the problem. Oh my gosh, and, that is so true. Yes, and that's <laughs> where, you know, and, and I'll use a simple example, like in the gym, I'll set, a big kettlebell down and people will come over and be like, that's too heavy. I'm like, A, you don't even know what we're going to do with it. <laughs> I'm like, B, you didn't even try to pick it up. And you've already crafted in your head that you're going to hurt your back or you're going to tweak something. And then they get into the exercise and they crush it. You know, mm -hmm. but, but initially you're creating something that doesn't even exist. It's like, yes. if you, if you actually pick it up and you feel strained, now we have a real problem. <laughs> you know so what are your thoughts on that i love that fake that fake problem that's a great way to phrase it because it's it is it's so true like we have this uncertainty we get anxiety about it but then it's you're like making these assumptions about things that aren't even like <laughs> lots of times never come true Yes. So I love this comment. Stop noticing things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we, we chuckle, but they're not wrong. No, you know, they're, they're not wrong. I tell people you find whatever you look for, right? If you look for problems, you will find them. If you look for opportunities, you will find them. If you look for drama, you will find it. Yes. You know, oh gosh, so yes. if you just, if you just focus on the success, like you were saying with the news, the news will show you 28 minutes of just nonsense and two minutes of good stuff. Yeah. You know, because that's what people are drawn to. Right. So if that's what you're drawn to, that's what you're going to find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's the perfect insight in, into the human brain. <laughs> You've got it. <laughs> I don't know if you learn some of this and just live experience, but yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, so what led you to what you're doing now? Career-wise? Well, well, it was not at all my intention or my plan originally to work with kids, but um, I was a little lost in what to do. And uh, once I got out of high school, did college for a little bit, and then I decided to um, work in a uh, psychiatric hospital, which in hindsight, I mean, this was the early 90s and what, oh, it was kind of a scary place. Um, and I just did a, a CNA course there and became a skilled, uh, certified nursing assistant. And, but I loved it. I loved the people and it was so fun. And then I saw occupational therapists come in and they were working with them. 
and they were doing fun stuff with them and just I loved the schedule that they had because they could work a little later, which at the time was better for me. And um, so I looked more into it. And I started out thinking kids were never going to be on my radar. I wasn't really the, the high energy as kind of an empathic person who's sensory sensitive, like big energy sometimes just drains me more. Mm-hmm. I really had no interest in working with kids originally and started out in skilled nursing facilities, working with older adults, which I still love and and did for a long time still too, even when I started working with kids. And I just decided to take a chance. Then this is why you take risks, people, because you take a chance and you find your passion. So I just decided it's time for a change. And I contacted a, um, a, a travel therapy company that, so what they do is they put you in these like 13 week assignments uh, where they're maybe short staffed or someone's on maternity leave or something like that. And you go and just work in these places. And they said, we have this place that is pediatric and how about coming on over and they'll they're happy to help you through this even though you have no experience with kids and I said what the heck like let me just do it moving out of the state go and work with kids and it was so fun it was just so fun I got paid to play like it was so fun (laughs) that's what I say about about being a trainer but before we get into the kids you said two things that are super powerful you said time for a change right because a lot of people know that I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But then the other part is they're afraid to take the chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I've been there myself, you know, in the restaurant industry doing that and just knowing like this, this is not what I want anymore. You know, the hours are brutal. I'm a dad now. It's like, but, but it's like, how do I walk away from the money? How do I walk away from the health insurance? You know, how do I walk away from the guaranteed paycheck every single week? But then you make the leap and the universe helped because I lost my job. (laughs) And and then then I pursued fitness and made way more money than I ever would have made in the restaurant. You know, when when you start putting that into perspective, Mm -hmm. like I was talking to my two older kids the other day about valuing yourself, you know, because that plays a lot of role. I mean, a big role into mental health as well. You know, like my son's making X amount of do- dollars per, per, per hour. I said, no, good, good for you. you know, you're working full time. That's great. But let's break this down. You know, I said, where do you want to get to? Like, what kind of house do you want to live in? Where do you want to live? What kind of car do you want to drive? Like, do you want a vacation? And then I just broke it all down. I'm like, can you get that on this income? You know, and he's like, well, no. I said, so you got to value yourself more and do things that you love but it's higher value. I think a lot of people struggle with that. With yes. Your thoughts. Yes, I completely agree. And I think um, just to kind of piggyback on that, the <clears throat> it's not just the, the logistics of can you make money on that? But I think when you really have this faith that you will be cared for. And so it's not just about your own personal worth, but like just knowing that and having this attitude that things will work out because when the, you have that attitude. They absolutely do. Yes. I have been through that experience numerous times where it's just like, okay, it's time for a change. I have no idea how I'm going to handle this, but I'm just putting it out there that it's going to happen. And it does. And I really believe that when you think that that's, think that way, that that's how it works out. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the universe does kind of force you into like making a change. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen it too many times in my own life and other people's lives that when you just take that step, it does work out for you. It's true. And it goes back to 
you find what you look for. So when you when you take the step now, you have to make it work. <laughs> you know, so it's like, all right, I have to make this work. I, you know, like I, I was explaining to my daughter the other day about content, right? I said, content people are the hardest people to work with. They really are. They're the hardest. Like people come into the gym, the ones who are just desperate at rock bottom, they're in tears in the consultation. That person's ready. You know, mm-hmm. They are fed up. They're completely fed up. And then the ones who are fit, they're determined to stay fit. You know what I mean? But those people in the middle, mm. you know, those are the ones. I mean, they're actually my target market. You know, it's like, it's like, I, want, it's like I want to get you guys out of that rut and into where, where it is that you want to be. You know, because like a lot, of, a lot of mental health stuff. And again, I got to keep saying for YouTube, I'm not an expert. But if a lot of it stems because people aren't happy with the circumstance. But your circumstance, you can change. Yeah, like, like people say, you can in this country. Yes, you can. Yeah, like people come here. I had a guy on the show 160 episodes ago. Came here with five other guys from Israel with a thousand dollars, and they now have one of the largest cleaning franchises in the country. They came here with a thousand dollars, a dream, and work ethic. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So anything can happen. All right. So. You start working with kids now. Just walk walk me through. <clears throat> yeah, so it started out really working at um, schools, and just as as I, the more I worked, the more I saw that kids were having a really hard time. And so uh, there was one year particularly where a couple of middle schoolers had to come in. And I had to evaluate them, and they were and in the schools we do a lot with motor skills, like fine motor skills and handwriting and using scissors and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's why they were they were seeing me, but then one of them I'd known from middle school and he just looked like 50 miles of bad road. So I just, a drastic change from elementary to middle school and his lips were all chapped, his eyes like had bags under them. And I just, I need to figure out what can I do to help these kids? Another kid had just been there for like 12 days, the entire school year. And it was already spring um, because he had so much anxiety about school. And I thought, does that really make sense that, you know, he feels he can't handle school so you leave him home and now like you're kind of confirming that you can't handle it by leaving him home. Like it, yeah. that seemed like the message that was being sent, but then I thought, Oh, am I right in thinking this? I mean, you know, what's really the, the best way to handle this kind of thing. So I started doing a lot more research about anxiety and kids and how to support them. So I feel like I had uh, some tools in my tool belt. Um, and I'll say just, I, there's just been so many, it just, it's, there's been a lot, not only because I mean, there's the clear ones that we can see because they're trembling or they express it and that kind of thing. But then you also get the kids that are having big behaviors and big emotional responses. And mm-hmm. so often that's tied to anxiety. Yes. Yep. So you're working with kids now. You realize that I like this, right? <laughs> and so what made you decide to open your own practice? Well, I was working in a school where I was able to do kind of well flexible OT, I could say. Um, so generally there's some laws that govern what we do in schools and we can only work with certain kids and some kids might have needs, but we can't do a whole lot with them because uh, it's not under the law. They don't qualify for special education, for instance. And that's because we couldn't see them. And um, the school just, I got to know all the kids in the school. And so they were allowing me to do these groups and uh, helps kids that had high energy levels and attention issues and like ADHD and that kind of thing. And so I, I decided I wanted to do that. 
for other people in the community because there were all these other schools where they weren't able to do that. And so I saw a need. And so I really started out working um, with self-regulation, which I, you know, your ability to stay focused on something and ability to manage your own energy level and to, to match the environment and so that you can learn because if you can't pay attention, you can't learn. And so uh, that was a big piece of it. And then it's just kind of transitioned. I, I still do a lot of that, but that was really the, the main reason I started my practice. So part of my practice is working in schools and contracting to schools, um, mostly charter schools. And then, um, and then I do the groups and I do some individual therapy now too. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to, going to pitch myself here. If you ever need a speaker, you know, you can, you can zoom me in. But like I, I speak in school schools as well. You know about I in schools I typically speak about confidence, you know, displaying confidence and talk about that it's okay to be different. <laughs> you know, it's like some people think, you know, because you're in a certain class, like you're different. There's something wrong with me. It's like no, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just different. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's okay to be different. So just wanted to throw throw that that yeah little bug, yeah that little bug in your head right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. So how long did it take you to, to get the business up and running? Uh, it was fairly slow just because the schools got me so busy. Um, so I started it in 2015. And so it's been going for a while. And now it's just it's really it's a little too busy. <laughs> I need a little more help. I have a couple of staff that I need a little more help. But it's uh, it took a little while just to get the, the groups going, partly also because I didn't do insurance at the time. So insurance, you know, mm-hmm. people are looking for that. And I decided oh, yeah. I wanted to serve more people. So I, I went and networked with insurance. So I'm doing more with that, but. Nice. Love it. Yeah, I want to address a, just a comment I put up earlier, mm-hmm. you know, I work from home engineer and have been stuck in my basement for two years. I'm going crazy and having ideas of branching out. Yes. It's scary though. It's time for a change. And a lot of people deal with that. Like that's why I say in, in my very first sentence, I always say to help you clear the roadblocks that are blocking you from your success, your wanted success. Because it's one of those things, it may not look the way you think. Kind of how you said your initial plan wasn't to work with kids. You know, but like given the qualities that you gave earlier, it it's a perfect match for what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you're right. <laughs> right? Kids need Isn't someone. Yeah, kids need someone who's compassionate, who believes in inequality you know like like you're doing what what you were meant to do like you just didn't see it yet at that time and then same mm-hmm. same thing with with me when i when i used to speak I, I used to speak about random topics like i didn't really have a central thing that i speak about i mean, I mean like i have a, a lot more in my arsenal now but when i first got started i'm like who am I even talking to? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm just it's like, I'm good at it. People clap at the end. I'm like, but am I really transforming anyone? You know? And so into doing what I'm doing now, like I never thought I would get into this space. I dropped out of college three times because I didn't want to take psychology. And everything oh. I'm doing now has to deal with, with the mind. <laughs> right? Oh the goodness. irony of life. Yes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> right, so, so you mentioned a book earlier. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So I wrote a book called Pediatric Anxiety. Um, it's a guide for occupational therapists um, for assessing and treating and supporting children with anxiety. And it's 
really it's meant for occupational therapists because what's happened is we are working with a lot of these kids already on other issues. So they're coming to us because they have uh, fine motor issues or they come to us because they need to work on getting dressed or, or they're working on attention and you know, their energy level. And then just realizing that it's really anxiety. Um, so just it's within our scope of practice to do that because we're really looking at the every everyday activities of people and using that as therapy too. And so um, I saw a lot of OTs trying to say, refer out, refer out. And, uh, and there's times like we're not a good fit, but a lot of times if we're already working with the child, there's so much that we can do to help support their anxiety. And I will say one of those um, is really being the relationship person, being somebody that's just a trusted adult that. Um, that's not a family member because sometimes there's power in that because we're not really creating these demands and there's not expectations in the same way that there are with people that you live with. And so um, I just thought we, you know, make sure everyone has some tools so that we're making sure these kids get supported. That's awesome. And, you know, like I, what I, what I do is similar, you know, help people work through past trauma, you know, because most people in our age bracket, a lot of their stuff is from unresolved stuff <laughs> from from the mm-hmm. past, mm-hmm. and people just think they can bury it or they self medicate or, or or whatever it is. I'm like, no, speak about it. It's like speak about it because like once you put mm-hmm. your story out there, other people are gonna be like, I dealt with that, you know, I dealt with that, or I'm dealing with that, mm-hmm. and and you're gonna find out that you know you're not an anomaly. <laughs> so I got so many people have dealt with it. And the more you speak about it, A, the more you're going to get better at speaking about it, but you're going to start to heal from it. Yes. You know, like that's the biggest thing is, is okay. So whatever happened to you, it happened. So you can continue to let it hurt you or you can take the teachable moments from it and help someone else that's going through what you went through. It's so powerful. And people are so supportive when you do that too. I think that risk of putting yourself out there, it's so scary, but when you tell your story and people are really supportive and and you think they're going to be judgmental, but you just owning, owning it yourself, people will be there for you. It's yeah. Yep. Back to the big problems. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like in that conversation I had with my daughter, like, I'm not going to get into what we discussed, but like she said afterwards, she's like, I wanted to tell you that for years. She's like, but I've been so afraid. And I'm like, afraid of what? <laughs> like, what, what are you afraid of? I'm like, yeah, when I was younger, I was kind of a tyrant as a, as a parent, you know, but, uh, you know, I've, as I've got, gotten older, I've me- mellowed out and realized, like, I don't have to rule with the iron fist to get through to them, you know, but it's like, it was just a, just a moment like that, that kind of scared her, you know, and so. It had, but like she's been holding on to that for a few years, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and so she told me, and then you know, I obviously listened to her. I apologized. I'm like, sorry. I said I never, never meant to, to to do that. You know, we hugged it out, and then we were good. And she's like, wow, that that was pretty easy. <laughs> I said, yeah, because like you created in your mind that like I was going to explode on you or something. It's like back to the fake problems. <laughs> uh-huh. I love that teachable moment. And I think one of the other lessons there is not just, um, well, first of all, she was awesome. Great for her for like taking that rest to do that because yes. it ultimately just 
helped you all feel better. But the fact that you are there to hear her voice. And I think a lot of times we sort of dismiss kids and certainly in my world where I'm working with kids and I'm seeing teachers and other people like we're all some therapists too, or they're kind of like working around the kid and like, well, what can we do to help this Mm -hmm. kid? And we'll go to the kid, you know, go, (laughs) go to them. (laughs) They have so much to say, even when they're little, they, they have so much to tell you. And lots of times they tell us behavior, but when they're really little, especially, but even older kids, you know, if they're throwing something in the classroom, they're telling you something. Your job is to go listen to what that is and figure out what's bothering them and not, um, not think they're a bad child just because they, they threw something. They don't have those words to tell you. And so you need to be there to support them. And that's a huge piece of my work is just, let's see what the kids are saying. And you'd be surprised. Like even four-year-olds, I have them sort these cards and I say, okay, this is a little problem. This is a sometimes problem. This is a huge problem. And they'll sort these cards about all these different life things. And um, sometimes these four-year-olds can do that just fine. And they're, they'll put their triggers and you might find triggers that you would never even realize were triggers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really like, we got to ask the kids. <laughs> See, and, them engaged. So I've shared, shared this story on this show so before, but it's very relevant to what we're talking about now. So I was doing a, some volunteer work at a local middle school and I walk into this program. The director says, you know, she's just like introducing me to the, the other speakers and she, she points to this one kid and she's like, that's the one you got to worry about right there. And I was like, the kid's 12. <laughs> why, why am I worrying about a 12 year old? <laughs> and, so, and so I said, all right, when we split up in, into groups, so like put him in my group. And so as I'm talking to, to the kid, I was like, he's got some leadership qualities, right? A lot of leaders don't like taking orders. Now, just think about that. Most people who become entrepreneurs, they couldn't stand having a boss. <laughs> just think about that, right? So it's like I clash with almost every boss I've ever had, <laughs> you know? So, and so anyway, so I'm like, all right, let me, let me empower this kid. And so I had him work with the other two people in, in the group to create a craft. I was like, you take the lead and pick their brains and you guys come up with what you want to do for the craft. And he did it, did it beautifully. Then we split off into sports. I, I We were playing basketball. I made him captain of the other basketball team. And then I was captain of my team. And he put people in positions. He was hyping them up. He was high-fiving. I was like, there is nothing wrong with this kid. You just got to utilize his strengths. Mm. You know, I know in a classroom situation, maybe that's not always easy to do if you got, you know, 20 plus kids in the class. But I said, my recommendation to you is when you come in to write stuff on the board, have him write it. It's like, give him something to do. You know, but, don't, but you got to sit there just barking at him. You have him labeled as a problem. And mm-hmm. he's 12. What do you think that's going to do to him the rest of his life? Mm-hmm. And if you see again, again, if you see the problem, if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. Yep. You're going to see the problem. Yeah. Exactly. So, no. yeah. Just, I mean, you hit the nail on, on, on the head. It's like, go to the kid. <laughs> and I was like, don't go back to the textbook and go back to whatever you learned in school. Talk to the child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So do you, do you have plans for a phase two or phase three? Or like what's in the works for you? Well, I'm working on uh, just getting some trainings going on. So more 
like online kind of trainings for both parents and for kids, uh, for uh, OTs, mm-hmm. professionals. So, um, so there's a little bit more res- and more resources out there. I'm creating some things for them. Just trying to, whenever I'm making something for one of my kids that I serve, I'm like, let's just figure out a way to make that not, co- not use any copyright materials and share it with other people. So my hope is that ultimately there's going to be more resources out there too. Although there's a lot of really great stuff already, yes. but but that is part of my big mission is to ask, asking the kids, like, let them have their voice in this. Absolutely. And respect their boundaries, you know, respect their boundaries. Like sometimes they don't want to be touched. Don't touch them. Like, you know, they don't want, mm-hmm. they, there's something they're asking not to do, but give them a little space or they need a little time to process or whatever. Yeah. Let's circle back to, to what, what you said earlier about how sometimes kids aren't allowed to, uh, to express themselves. I had a guest on, I had her on twice because like just the first hour wasn't long enough, but like she didn't start asserting herself till she was in her early thirties because growing up, you know, in her household, it was like, you, you were not allowed to speak. Like you just do what we say and don't ask Mm -hmm. questions, you know? And, 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 and my now I had, I had an amazing upbringing. So like, I'm not, not trying to knock on my parents, but like, you know, my dad was, my dad was a Marine had some PTSD and, you know, he, he was kind of like that too. He's like, do it. Cause I said so. It's like, yeah, but I, don't, don't back talk me. Okay. Okay. Chill. <laughs> you know, but, mm-hmm. but, um, and that's kind of, kind of where I got my, my start from. Cause most people tend to raise their kids the way they were raised. Like that's what they know, you know? And so anyway, where the hell was I going with that? Completely shit. I shifted gear, gears in my brain. All right. <laughs> So, so it, oh, going back to, to uh, the, the feeling hurt. So she went through like all of middle school, all of high school and into college and into the workforce, just holding everything in because mm-hmm. she just had in her mind that it's not okay to let things out, you know? So what is one of the number one things you see in your practice? Uh, big behaviors because of big emotions is mm-hmm. probably the, the most common thing. So the only way they know to express their emotions is, is through their bodies, you know, and that's true for a lot of different ages that we work with here. And some of it's typical, right? You expect some three-year-olds to be having tantrums and mm. big behaviors because they're still learning, but even with some older kids, or if it's more, more than uh, you would expect, or they last longer than you'd expect compared to most kids, that's one of the biggest things that we work with. Okay, so now that was pretty obvious to spot, right? You, yeah, right. you, you can spot a kid ha- having a tantrum. What are some of the more subtle things that you see that may, maybe a parent or a teacher won't pick up on easily? Um, I guess they pick up on kids that don't try. Um, that's that's one thing that comes up a lot. I'd say, um, and the quiet kids, I think, tend to be ones that don't you don't see as much or think about as much because they, you know, as you're kind of saying like that compliant, we call it compliant culture, right? We, you just do as I say, because I said, and I'm the adult and you're the kid. And so these are a lot of these kids that are very good at complying and following the rules. And um, you may not see some of the subtleties in how they're talking about themselves or the world and that kind of thing. So they're, but they're following the rules, you know, they're doing what we want them to do. And this does tend to be girls a lot of the time, um, partly because of how we're socialized. Uh, I'd say that's probably one that, that comes up a bit that 
the Intune parent is is realizing that they need some support um, when they are having those conversations with their kids and things like that. But it might be hard to see if other people like teachers aren't expressing a concern about it because they're kind of doing what they're supposed to. So do you do you find that some of the parents may have a bias thinking like, oh, my kid doesn't have that or my kid doesn't do that? Um, well, I'm seeing them after they've already got here and they've just kind of come to terms that that is an issue. So yeah. I'd say the ones I'm seeing, not so much, but I will say that some of them are, um, not that they're denying, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not really denying what the issue is, but they aren't necessarily seeing that um, they might have a role in helping their child a little bit more. That's true for some of them, um, just because this realization that uh, a lot of people don't have is that our emotions are contagious and you don't necessarily think about that like logically because they just are, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got these mirror neurons in our brain that make us copy other people. Like so if you're smiling, I'm going to be smiling. And, yep. and if you're having a bad day, we're all having a bad day. Right. Like <laughs> that whole thing about when, when mom's in a bad mood, you know, the family is. Um, and so, you know, anxiety is the same way. So it's, it's kind of contagious. So usually there's a parent that is, having this negative worldview or they don't realize um, that some of the things they're saying are creating some anxiety in their child. Um, and I wouldn't be saying, I don't want to say this as a, like a blame thing because I just think people don't know. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, you know, when you know better, you do better. So I don't, I don't want to make it sound like that, but um, you know, a lot of the research really does show that at least one parent has anxiety too. So if, you know, being in touch with your own, um, fears and worries and things like that and and watching your own worry talk and how it might be and your and your mood and how those things might be contagious to your child um, and I do think that some kids just have that temperament and I would say I was probably one of those kids I just kind of had a more sensory sensitive temperament so I was a little more like the world was a little more scary to me as a young child and noises and people making big movements and things like that and I wouldn't say my parents were anxious at all so I think there's some you know sometimes it's it's just how our brains are wired too but uh, I think that's just one little lesson for parents too, just to be mindful of your own mental health needs. Yeah. And so you use the word blame and like kind of, you said it a li little bit earlier, you only know what you know. Right. You know, that's what it is. You only know what you know. So like whenever people say, oh, someone's so stupid, I'm like they're, they're, they're not stupid. They just didn't know. It's like, right. do you know, do you know right. everything about everything in the world? Cause I bet you don't. <laughs> you know, right. so it's like as good as I am as a storyteller, I couldn't get up and talk about nuclear engineering. Right. <laughs> so in the <laughs> nuclear engineering space, I'd be stupid, you know, but like in the fitness space, that's where my genius is, you know, and it, but but even still, even in the fitness space, I don't know absolutely everything about the body. So like I'll go to other people. Hey, you know, like I know how to deadlift, but if someone wants to deadlift 500 pounds like that that's a different level of awareness. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so I'll go default to a power lifter. Hey, you know, what's the best way to cue this up? You know, so just when it comes to parenting, you know, I have five of my own kids. And like I said, with my daughter, I didn't realize she was carrying that inside of her for, for that. And we talk all the time. I travel with her. We do obstacle races. We hike together and, and it's never come up in conversation, you know? So like, Initially, when she first said, like, it kind of hurt my soul. I was like, I don't, don't want to hurt my kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But like in all those conversations, she never gave me a sign 
that she was carrying that weight around. You know? When you're also not a mind reader, so you don't know what you don't know, and you don't yes. you don't have the ability to read other people's minds, which is sometimes, you know, people think that you can, <laughs> that we are going to just know what the other people are thinking, and we're put we put thoughts in other people's heads all the time. Yes, it's completely not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like like you were saying about the whole the whole blame thing, it's I, I would say like it's it's no one's fault, you know. No. Back back to what I said about about overcoming uh, trauma. It's like, what happened, happened. Now, what are we gonna do with the info? Right. Now, how are we gonna move forward? Like, again, we're gonna continue to let it hurt us or we're gonna let it strengthen us. Like, so now I'm more mindful of things, you know, and I'm going back to thing, things in the past. Like, well, well, when that happened, then I kind of blew up on him. Like, does he feel like that too? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so it's like you know, we're gonna be talking with my my oldest son tonight. You know, it's gonna have a heart to heart and get in his mind because like I really have he's he, he'll be twenty three ne- next week, and so like he's not old, he's not he's he's young, but he's not a kid. You know, mm-hmm. but it's like we haven't re- really had like a major heart to heart in in a while. You know, so I, I just want to see what's in his mind, see what he's thinking, see what mm-hmm. his plans are for the future, and. And just be more mindful of what he might be going through. Because just because on the surface, he's displaying fine. But is he really? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious how you'd start that conversation. Because I think some people maybe don't know how to how to do that. I will tell you exactly how. All right. So <clears throat> he's he is like the polar opposite of me. Like if I want something, I dial in, I go get it. Him, if, if I allow him to sit, sit on the couch all day and play video games, he will. You know, so I'm actually, and like when I kind of press, press him a little, he, he responds. But if I don't press, if I don't press him, nothing. So I'm just going to ask, I'm going to say, hey, what is holding you back from going after what you really want? Because there, there has to be, there has to be a reason why he's, he just doesn't have that get up and go. You know, because, and again, as parents, we have to understand that just because we did something doesn't mean they will. Mm-hmm. You know, cause like my, my daughter said that the other day too, because when I was 23, I was a general manager of a restaurant. I had my own apartment, had my own car. I was traveling. <laughs> you know, it was like, and, you know, to, to his credit, he works full time. But then the rest of the time he's playing video games like this. I don't know. So something, something in there is keeping him back. And so I'm going to start it with that and just give him the floor to talk. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read, uh, I can't think of the author's name, The Four Tendencies? No, but I've seen a video on it. something similar. It's, yeah, just, it's yeah, interesting. It's been guy. interesting insight. I can't, I can't think of the author's name. I wish I could. Um, but it basically says, you know, there's, there's, we all have these different tendencies. Like I'm like you, like problem, got to go solve it. You know, we're going to go yes. just tackle it. And then you get people who need more of that external accountability that you probably see at the gym a lot. You, you know, they're coming to you because mm. they can't do it on their own. So they're coming. Yes. They need someone else to like be that accountable person because they can't be accountable yes. to themselves. And that's basically what the, the, the book is about is who are you accountable to? And um, anyway, it's just interesting insights in other people. So, you know, if you do have the opportunity to, to play video games, um, there's nobody keeping your time accountable for something else. Then sometimes that's the reason why people aren't doing things it's, it's given me some insight into like employees and you know i had one that was chronically late and i'd say 
I just have to say, be on time before we show before our meetings. And if I said it out loud, then she was accountable to it a little mm. more because she didn't have that internal accountability. So. See, I, I never, I never thought about it that way. It's like you just, you just schooled me right there, because I'll say sometimes like he's twenty three. I shouldn't have to, you know. But if, but you just using that gym analogy, it's like why, why can't you do it on your own? Why can't you go to Planet Fitness, pay ten dollars? Why are you paying me ten times what Planet Fitness charges? <laughs> <laughs> and it's for the accountability. So it's like. Yeah why wouldn't I want to give my son more guidance? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it's like, uh, again, going back to good, cause at, at that age I was different, but he's mm-hmm. different. The world is different. He has his own set of set of ideals. And then may, maybe me trying to push him to be more like I was is keeping him inside. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. that that's going to surface when we have, when we have this talk, but like I said, mm-hmm. I'm all about, I'm all about being vulnerable. That's why I can share this. You know, I can share this to a live audience talking about, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this is my fault because I'm putting my expect my self expectations on him. And maybe that's keeping him in a bubble. So like I said, so I just want to give him the floor and be like, what's holding you back, man? Like, how, how can I assist you? You know, how, how can I support you? And let's get you to where, where it is you want to be. I love that. And I think that's a lot of times we all need to check in with our own expectations about other people. Yes. Because sometimes that is, <laughs> sometimes we're not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. That's the number one reason for failed relationships. It's uh, unmet expectations. Yeah. That's, that's what yep. it boils down to. It's like, I want him to do this. I yeah. want her to do, do this. Like, but what if they don't want to do that? Right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then people. I mean, I know, I know, compromise is necessary in any relationship. But like, if you're consistently going to the bar on fri- Fridays, and he or she despises going to the bar, you know, at some point they're gonna grow resentment, right? And then that, then that resentment's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because as I started, like before we even came live, I told you to my core, I'm a competitor, you know, and so. I was in relationships where people try to reel me in. They used to call it. It's like, mm. and, and then, and I would try to adapt, but it's not who I am. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm playing basketball, I'm out for blood. I'm sorry. I can't play for fun. You know, <laughs> I still compete in track meets and I, I, I'm not just happy enough being 47 and I'm fortunate enough that I can still compete. No, I'm out for gold. You know, it's like I can deal with losing, but I play to win. Like, that's just uh-huh. who I am, you know. So and then people try to try to reel that in and then the resentment grows. Mm. And it, it's just it, it's not good. And right. I feel and I feel like that happens with kids as well. Oh, yeah. Because we have our expectation for the kid. Like I just out, outlined with my son. Obviously, nobody nobody wants their kids to struggle. So, you know, you try, try to put, try to put some positive expectations on them, but maybe sometimes, especially nowadays, it's too much for them, you know, and it's adding to their anxiety. Well, I, I was just about to say that exact thing. Like, I think sometimes, especially thinking about schools and some of the expectations in schools. And I mean, my coworker has a four-year-old and she said, by the end of his preschool, he's supposed to be writing sentences. Like it's preschool. <laughs> you not be making letters yet. Like you're asking yeah. to write sentences, you know. So <laughs> if the demands are like way up here, you know, and you can't 
but your development's down here and you can't meet those expectations. Yeah. You might have anxiety about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it is too. Cause like no, no parent wants to feel like a bad parent, but if you think about it, you, you know, what's a huge business and what we're doing it right now, this moment is personal development. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. <laughs> it's like, you're not even good at being you. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't, I've probably spent about $50,000 on personal development over, over the last decade, you know, just constantly trying to improve, trying uh -huh. to get better. So as, so as a parent wanting what's best for your kid, if you yourself talk, talk to a therapist or a coach or just some, someone, like you said, some non-family member, that's just going to coddle you and just really talk things through. Like that's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you a better parent, but just our egos get in the way, yeah. you know, and we, we want to think like me, I, I'm not the problem. I, I go to all the PTO meetings and I go to all the basketball games and start doing all this other stuff. But like I said, I mean, my daughter's 19 year, years old. You know, the incident she brought up was like a decade ago. So, but I had no idea. And, and I told you, we spend a lot of time together. So it's not like I don't see her. <laughs> we spend a lot mm -hmm. of time together. And I never knew she was carrying that. And so, yeah, all those other things that I do that are great, but I failed in that one area about just not simply asking, how, how are you feeling today? You know, like that, that one question could unlock a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a good insight, though. Just, yeah, we're all working on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even good at being you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to write that down. <laughs> yeah, <you should. laughs> oh, good. All right, so let's get back to the book. So, so you said it's for occupational therapists? Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's not that other people can't get some insight from it because it does have a lot of helpful things in there. And it goes a little bit through, like, um, some of our neurology, not it's not like super technical, um, yeah. but a lot of things that just to be mindful of when we're working with kids and um, things that we can do, some strategies to help. And of course, when you write a book, there's always like a thousand ideas that come after you decide your book's done. So that's mm -hmm. why I have a website where I'm trying to direct people to um, that's in my book to, to add some of those other resources to it and other things and other ideas so that we can all help the kids. I mean, that's really the greater mission here is to get everybody to to recognize them as individuals and respect their voices. And um, yeah, so the book's on Amazon. And, and what's the name again? Uh, pediatric, excuse me, Pediatric Anxiety. You can just look up that with my name, you'll find it. Oops, that was uh, last show. <laughs> <laughs> I, hit, I, I hit show instead of edit. <laughs> All right, what's, what's your website? It's selfregulationsupports.com. Regulations with, with an S? Yes. Regulations support? Supports with an S at the end, too. Oh, okay. So it's right regulations, plural, and supports, plural? Uh, not, no, sorry. Self-regulation. Now, now oh, you're okay. making me think twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> no S after self-regul after regulation. No regulation. All right. There you so go. Self-regulationsupports.com. You got it. All right. There we go. <laughs> yeah, and I'll have uh, a parent training there hopefully within the next um, six weeks or so. So just something that's um, either cheap or free that you can just get a little, a few more tips on things to do with your kid who might have anxiety. Nice. Yes. Yeah, like I think I think 
you know what we were discussing about about the parents is is powerful because because again like people get very very defensive when you tell them how to raise their child mm-hmm. very defensive like I had had a woman you know like I train a lot of moms you know so sometimes people bring bring their kids in and stuff and I'll see I'll see some some things going on and I'm like why are you letting that go <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. I'm saying saying you gotta go and I was screaming yell, screaming yell at the kid like I did in my younger days, but it's like all right, listen you know just give just give the corrective the corrective direction you know but mm-hmm. like you have you have to do that like if, if it's harder to stop later <laughs> you know so right. I, try to, I try to let them know you can stop it now or at least curb it now. But right. once they're a teenager, you're screwed. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> it is so much harder to do it then. If you catch them now while, while they're young and let mm-hmm. them know this is acceptable, this is unacceptable. And then, mm-hmm. like, in all of my talks, you know, depending on the age of the kids, is I always equate it to real, to like real life, you know, when you're an adult. Like, for case in point, I was, uh, I do conditioning for, for my other daughter's softball team. And I stopped. I stopped 10 minutes early and I had the girls come to the center of the turf and I started talking to them about effort. You know, so I said, some, some of you guys are cutting the run short, you know, or you're walking when you're supposed to be running, you know, you're not bear crawling the full length, I'm like you're not giving me effort. And so I had asked them all, why do you play softball? And a majority of them said, because I love it. And I said, but if you love it, your actions would show it. I was like, just think about anything that you love. You know, like if you love someone, you're not going to try to hurt that person, right? So when you think about your kids, your kids, you that's like the strongest love out there. You know, it's, it's okay to step back, look in the mirror and be like, what, like, am I adding to any of these problems? Because it's so quick to say, oh, my kid is this, my kid is that. I'm like, yeah, but you're the parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, you gotta, right. you, you gotta take some accountability there. Right. You know, so help, helping get that message out. Like, so what's, you said that you're going to have a training for, for parents coming, like, what, will that be a part of it? Yeah. So um, just different language to use with kids. If they're, yeah. Um, to help with some of the behavior things you might see, uh, to help with uh, some different anxiety kind of things. You know, I will say generally anxiety requires a little more intervention than just what the parent can do if it's, you know, keeping them from participating in life. But uh, there's a lot of things that you can do. And I think just reframing how you think about the world is some of that and taking care of your own needs is part of that. Um, So those are the kind of things I might mention, but uh, there might, there'll be some strategies too. I have, I got a, another, another comment. See, so this stuff is like out, out of my scope, but if you, oh, okay. <laughs> Extracted from green tea leaves helps relieve anxiety. Yeah. I, I really can't speak on, on that. So I'm, I'm very good at staying in my lane. So the thing, the things I know I can rock, we, we could talk about that all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but, but I'm not, I'm not sure about that aspect of it. So like when, when I talk about any type of mental health, I, I always ask the person, like, like how, how quickly do you want to get out of this pain? You know, or, or what, what, whatever it is, it's like, what is stressing you? And then why? 
you know, because like we're so focused on the what, mm-hmm. but why is that stressing you? Well, it makes me feel X, Y, Z. And then once you get that answer, you can start taking steps to, to, to help them lessen, lessen that feeling of, of anxiety. But mm-hmm. uh, just describe, describe your process. So, so I know working with, with um, what do you call it? Loud, uh, not, not loud, big Big, oh, big, big emotions. Big emotions. Yeah. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So besides that one, but just, but just someone who has social anxiety, like, like you did, it's like, what's, what's your process for helping them get through it? Uh, positive reinforcement for baby steps is part of it. Um, and getting on the same page as what those, as far as what those baby steps might be. Um, re, I mean, you really have to retrain your brain and how you think and yes. also teaching kids about, and, and adults, actually, this is helpful to know your upstairs brain and your downstairs brain. So your downstairs brain is like your primal, like you have just an automatic reaction to something that might be um, perceived as a, a negative thing or an anxiety response. And your upstairs brain is the one that can walk you through that. So if you're having such a reaction where you're fighting flight mode, you're not going to access your upstairs brain that it's going to go, oh, I'm supposed to do this when I'm anxious. Let me go do such and such. I got to go take a deep breath. You know, those kind of things aren't really going to work <laughs> in that moment if you are in fight or flight. So you got to wait till you get out of that stage before. And the, ultimately, the hope is to try to like ward that off from the get go. But, you know, some of those kind of strategies can help. But it, sometimes you have to get right to that like neurology piece of it and make sure. And when kids understand and adults understand a little bit about that, sometimes it's really helpful to work in the strategies a little bit more. Yeah, I use I use an example of if you go into the bathroom, you know, you and your tub is just overflowing. Like, what what would you do? Be like, I shut the water off. It's like exactly. So now I know dealing with with, with emotional stuff, feeling what you feel is important. It's very very important. It's like I, like I don't tell people, oh well, you, you shouldn't feel that way. Like no, right. like you you feel you feel what you feel. Right. But then again, going back to the why. Are you feeling like this? So, like, you wouldn't mm-hmm. walk into the bathroom, see see the tub overflowing, and just stare at it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You would you wouldn't do that. You would take immediate action. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like feel what you feel for, for whatever length of time, and then it's, it's at some point you have to take action. Like I was saying to my daughter the other day, I said, "Yes, yes, this situation hurt you, but you're kind of choosing to continue to let it hurt you." It's like at some point, you have to be the one to break free. doesn't matter how many therapists you talk to. doesn't matter how many people you can fight in. The healing comes from you. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. nailed it. It's action. Action is the antidote to anxiety. Yes. Which is a little easier sometimes to find that when it, it's like a specific anxiety. You know, if you're afraid of bees, well, then you start to go outside a little bit at a time or you go a little further <laughs> to closer to flowers or whatever. You know, you can grade that a little bit. Yeah. But when it's a general anxiety, it can be a little harder to do that and find that thing that's yes. the action to take. But like you said before, you know, going back to just owning, owning your story and saying what's going on in your life is like a great action to take in that kind of situation. Yep. Like it says right there, your true power lies in your story. It's like people, people just don't understand that. Like I was working with a couple people and we're working on a pitch them so they started it and then they come to me and I help them you know make it make it more powerful and so this woman st- she started a holistic healing business 
and she's just going through her her pitch. And I'm listening to her. I'm like, I'm like, there's no there's no lean in moment. It's what mm-hmm. what it's called. You're like hear something like ah, you know, like that's the lean in moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it doesn't have any of that. So I go to the other person, and she's doing a little re- redraft. And then she comes back, says it again, and I was like. It's still it's still missing. Like if you're looking to get someone to invest into your business, that ain't it. And so then she, then she comes she comes out and said, "Well, I had a stroke at the age of 36." I was like, "Why did it take 20 minutes for that to surface?" <laughs> you know, it's like that is the crux of your story. Mm-hmm. It's like that mm-hmm. happened to you, and you started this holistic healing to help people suffering from things like with what you went through uh-huh. <laughs> it's it like that's what's gonna make someone lean in you know like people want want to hear from someone who knows what they feel like right. I, I can I can step a woman through every inch of pregnancy every inch because I've trained that many pregnant women I've heard a lot I have five of my own kids I can step up to it but they will listen to you long before they'll listen to me Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because I mean, I'm assuming you're a parent, you know. But but it's like, and if you're not, I'm sorry. But uh, but you can you've actually felt it, right? You know, you actually felt it. You actually went through childbirth. You know, you know whether normal, uh, natural, or C-section. You know, it's like you you can go through firsthand experience. You know, and so the power of telling your story, like for for me, I have some knowledge. No, you have the experience and sometimes experience can trump knowledge. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people, people <laughs> always say knowledge is power. I'm like, not always. I'm like there's right. people, there's people with degrees in jail. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> just That's saying. A good point. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> have, have a good day, Sean. Enjoy your lunch. all right so give us some give us some final words here and we'll bring it down uh well i just like to say i really appreciate you having me on um i really enjoyed our conversation and you i feel like you've got you've got that insight that um that's not the book knowledge insight which is so helpful for people to (laughs) that life experience and appreciate you sharing all of that and um just aligns so much with what the message I really wanted to share today. So I love that, you know, as part of my mission, I feel like on this planet is to share some of this stuff. And so um, I I greatly appreciate the insights you added to it and that you had me on today. Thanks. Thank you much, much, much appreciated. You taking the time to be here. Um, I don't don't, don't know if you're familiar with her, Celia Kibler. No, no, no. All right. She has a podcast called pumped up parenting. And I think, Think you two should have a should have a convo. So I'm gonna connect you with her. Oh, I appreciate right that. Yeah, and see if you. Can, I'm gonna connect you with a few of them. I have have a couple couple of podcast guests, and I help you continue spreading the word because, like I said, this is a this is a super super important topic. And just being in the schools and just listening to to how some of the kids talk, it's like we we need more people speaking about this. So yeah, I would gladly help you spread the word. Oh, appreciate that. My pleasure. All right. Well, again, thank you very much and have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. 
We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years' experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.